Thanks for listening to this audio resource from Sovereign Hope Church. And just to update you, thanks in large part to many of you, uh, we've been able to purchase a new home in central Missoula. And there's a lot of work ahead of us when it comes to making another warehouse our church home. And you can continue to contribute to remodel and renovation funds at achurchbuilding.com. But we just want to express to you how grateful we are for your support. And we hope that this resource you're about to listen to will be a blessing for you as well. Uh, my name is Johnny Kudrowski. I'm one of the pastors here at Sovereign Hope Church, and it's great to be with you, opening up God's Word together. Before we get started, uh, I would like to pray one more time for the preaching of God's Word. Uh, Father God, we ask that you would do the work that only you can do. Lord, soften our hearts. God, keep our minds sharp. Uh, prepare us to encounter words of life And through your spirit, help us to see and to believe and be encouraged by your gospel today. And may we humble ourselves before you today. And may the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, like Tyler said, today we're going to continue in our Advent series that was started last week. As we heard last week, Advent is a season when we examine everything that has changed with Christ's coming. Tyler helped us to look ahead at the second advent, how Christ's rule and reign brings us hope now. And next week, Stephen will look more closely at the first advent, how the light of Christ entered the world. And I'll be preaching today about what it means for us to live between these two events. We're going to explore the difference that Jesus makes in our lives now, how we change in light of what he's done how God changes us. And our main text today that we uh, heard just a second ago is Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. And in that passage, the Apostle Paul encourages believers to love others by looking to Christ's example of how he loved us and came for us by humbling himself. Humility. It's almost like a dirty word, right? We, of course, appreciate the stories about uh, the virtue of humility in others. (laughs) It's inspiring to hear of people, right? Who have given their time and their resources to serve others. Too often we can have a hard time seeing ourselves doing the same. Humbling ourselves sounds nice, but the cost seems too great. And this is because the way of success and security in our world seems to come through pride, arrogance, and greed. These are all ways that we worship ourselves. And they make a ruin of our relationship to God and our relationship to others. Selfishness and self-exaltation. This is the song that the world is singing. While it isn't a song that the church is playing, we know the tune. And if we're not careful, we will hum along. And this should not be, though. And Jesus, through the gospel, has given us a much, much better song to sing. And in love, he is teaching it to us. And so our big idea for today is this. That those converted to Christ live lives of humility and love toward others. Our points for today is that between the first advent and the second advent, we have been called to put our trust in Christ, to humbly imitate Christ, and to invite others to know Christ. And so one more time, 
I want to look at our main text for today. So open up your Bible or flick your screen over to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I have always loved this passage. Uh, I've got to admit when I was preparing for this, it seemed kind of, uh, backwards for me, like linearly as a story or as a letter, how I think. I mean, Paul tells us to do some things in the first five verses. He starts with that, and then beginning in verse six, he tells us why. So he tells us what we should do, and then he tells us why we should do it. And it has to do with who Paul is talking to. He is writing to a church, and he assumes that he's talking to believers. And this is a home crowd that he's speaking to. He's speaking to people who believe in Jesus. And this is our first point for today, that between the first advent and the second advent, we have been called to put our trust in Christ. This is foundational to understand and to put into practice what we'll hear today. You must be in Christ. And our passage starts with this as a presupposition to be in Christ means that you've responded in faith and live life in relationship with God, trusting that Jesus and Jesus alone has done everything required to save sinners and restore you to God. Believing this is what makes you a Christian. It's what makes us Christians. This belief, this is what makes us a church. It's what's brought us all into relationship with one another. And this unity uh, among believers and care for one another is what Paul gets to right off the bat. He says in verse uh, one and two, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. Do we receive encouragement through Christ in the knowledge of the gospel? Comfort, love, fellowship, unity, affection? Yes, 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 of course we do. We do. 
Our unity within the church, it flows from our unity with Christ. Our care for one another is a result of believing and trusting in Christ's care for us. No one has loved us better. So when we consider all that we've received in Christ, we ought to express comfort, encouragement, love, and unity toward our fellow believers. Now, before we go any further, in this season of disconnection, um, have your thoughts turned to someone from the church? Have you said to yourself, I wonder how he's doing? I wonder how she's doing? Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today, don't wonder. Don't wonder. Reach out, call, text, Zoom if you must. <laughs> but don't wonder. Look around the room. There are people who are a part of our church we haven't seen on a Sunday morning for months. Who haven't you seen in a while that you used to see each week? Reach out today, don't wait. Write it down. <laughs> Find simple ways to comfort and care and sympathize with those around you. Consider all the ways that God has cared for you. And for those at home who've been joining us online, we love you and we miss you and we want to rejoice with you when you're able to come back and be with us. Whatever reason of conscience is compelling you uh, to stay home, I want to encourage you to be joined with us in spirit uh, and in fellowship and in community in any way that you are able to. But don't be passive. Don't just wait for someone to reach out to you. We all have a responsibility to one another. So none of our relationships are one-sided. Don't miss the opportunities that you have to build up the body of Christ, even in the midst of a time of caution. Let your love for the church and for the people in it lead you to bring comfort and kindness and affection and sympathy. When we put our trust in Christ, he changes our hearts to love others sacrificially the way that he's loved us. So, is there any encouragement in Christ? Yes. Yes, there is. More than enough for this season, more than enough to fill our hearts for an eternity of worship. But we need to be in Christ to draw from this well. If you're here today or you're watching online and you would say that you're not a Christian, that you're not in Christ, I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. Today's message is about seeing the beauty of Jesus and having our lives transformed by him so that the things we do and say and think that they might glorify God. And if you want to know more about that, you're in the right place. Putting our trust in Jesus is humbling though. And it's humbling because it exposes our need. And it doesn't just do it once. <laughs> Having a relationship with Christ will daily expose our need for him. And naturally, we are self-centered and self-serving, wanting to hide the bad, wanting to do good and to be seen for the good we do. In order to be Christ-like, though, we need to be changed by Christ. And praise be to God that he does change our hearts. As we continue in our passage, we encounter an encouragement to believers, to the Christians, to humble ourselves with the incarnation of Jesus being given as a picture that will encourage our hearts toward that. 
So this is our second point. Between the first advent and the second advent, we have been called in this life to humbly imitate Christ. So let's continue in our text, starting with verse 3, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, it would be easy today to read this text and hear a list of things that we need to do to be good. And it makes me think of lots of sermons I've heard over the years, these kind of character study sermons. Be courageous like David and face your giants, right? Be a leader like Nehemiah and build a wall, I don't know. <laughs> In our case today, be humble like Jesus. Be humble like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I was, have always found sermons like that crushing. <laughs> Just completely crushing. Because I'm not Jesus. I'm not David. I'm just Johnny. <laughs> I'm a mediocre guitarist, and for some reason, I'm here. So when you hear calls to uh, moral living like this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. When you hear that, you probably have a tendency to lean one way or the other. You might hear this and say, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. I give up. It's too much. And so you do nothing and nothing changes. Or you hear this call and you get to work striving towards perfection while being crushed by the thousand ways that you break this commandment every day. Whether you're crushed on one side or crushed on the other, I want to share with you that there is a better way forward here that is so much better than giving up or moralism. Jesus is not just an example to follow. Jesus actually enables us to follow him. Now, one of our pastors here, KJ, you might know him, he has this big truck. Uh, I think you'd call it a dually. I'm not sure. I don't know truck stuff. That's not my wheelhouse. Uh, it has Harley Davidson stickers on it. It's really big. It's a big, big truck. Now imagine KJ's truck breaks down in the parking lot, okay? And he asks me, for some reason, to move it across the parking lot uh, with my body, with this, just to, you know, manhandle it across the parking lot. It's not going to happen. It's physically impossible for me. But what if he gave me a tow truck and some straps and Sean Lenahan's phone number and <laughs> Ken Stevens' phone number, you know? What if he gave me those things? Well, then that truck is getting moved. It's no longer an issue. I'm happy to do it. Sometimes we miss what we have in Jesus. 
He doesn't make chains, he breaks them. (laughs) He doesn't ask you to do impossible things, he does impossible things through you. He doesn't bring chaos and a million things to do. He brings rest. Rest in the middle of it all. Jesus is not just an example for us to follow. He enables us to follow him. Now the hinge point of this passage is verse five, and it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? (laughs) What Jesus does? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind, which is yours, in Christ Jesus. Jesus has given us what we need to follow him. This passage is not shoving more morality onto our to-do lists. It's showing us how those who have been saved by our Lord Jesus Christ are having their minds and their hearts changed. This happens to Christians. It happens to us. Your mind will be changed by being in Christ If you are in Christ, this will happen. Now you can get in the way of it. Christians still give in to sin. I don't know if you knew that. We do. (laughs) But this mind, counting others more significant than ourselves, this is where you are headed in Christ. You, You can get in the way of it or you can lean into it. And we lean into this by humbly imitating Christ. How do children learn to speak? Do we command them to do it? Do we say, speak child, I grow weary of your constant crying. (laughs) Shelly knows, right? No, we get in their fat little faces, right? When we say, mama, right? Dada. They can speak, they will speak, They have to imitate. And the Apostle Paul gives us the example of Jesus humbling himself in the incarnation, his becoming a man. And verses five through eight says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I had said that verse five uh, was the hinge verse and that's because above the hinge we're told what to do, below the hinge we're told how Jesus did it. What it looked like when the person who could humble themselves the most did. Now it's important to note that we are not called to do everything that Jesus did. We can't. We're not God. We cannot live a sinless life. We cannot pay the penalty for the sins of others. We can't pay the penalty for our sins. The point of this example that Paul is giving though is not the uh, degree of what is accomplished 
It's the direction. It's not the degree, it's the direction. It's the mind, the motivations of the heart that we now have in Christ. Because everything that Jesus is going to accomplish is perfectly accomplished. He is God, he's omnipotent and holy. And in mercy, he becomes one of us to provide a way of salvation to God that we, <laughs> we could have never imagined. Think about it. The all-powerful, all-powerful God, he humbled himself and became a helpless baby so that you might be helped. Think of what he set aside. The creator of the universe he humbled himself and he got a blue-collar job working with his hands. The king of glory, worthy of all praise forever, humbled himself and was mocked, beaten, tortured, crucified, killed. The worst punishments for the only one who didn't deserve any. The eternally begotten son of God present from eternity past, existing in perfect community and fellowship and love with God the Spirit and God the Father was forsaken so that we might be restored to God. Jesus accomplished, what Jesus accomplished through his incarnation, his life here as a man on this earth, it is amazing, astounding almost beyond our comprehension if the Spirit wasn't working in us. <laughs> no one has ever humbled themselves more than Jesus, and that's because no one has ever been in a higher position of authority. No one has had more to lose than him. And Jesus doesn't do this because he likes pain or because he was curious about what it's like to sleep on hay. He, <laughs> he humbles himself for the sake of joy. He humbles himself for the sake of joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus humbles himself and can endure humiliations of every kind because of the joy that's to come. It's enough. It's enough for him. So can we imitate Christ and endure lesser humility for the sake of joy? We can if our joy comes from eternal things, imperishable things. We were dead in our sin and condemned to death forever. But in Christ, we have been made alive and will live forever with our citizenship in heaven. To be a Christian is to be in a position of perpetual gratefulness. Trusting in Jesus works this change in us. As we humble ourselves for Christ's sake, pour ourselves out for the sake of others, we see his power working through us and we are filled back up with gratefulness again. Jesus enables us to follow him. And the more we imitate, we mo the more we see the joy, the more natural it becomes. 
We can consider others and not worry about being forgotten because Jesus has considered our need and remembered us. Because of Jesus, we can lose ourselves and gain everything. When we imitate Christ, we lay down our way of thinking. We take on the mind that is ours in Christ and we love and obey God even when it's hard. We lay down our way of thinking, take on the mind that is ours in Christ and then we're able to come down to someone without looking down on someone. In Christ is the only way that we're able to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. And of all the commandments and rules to follow in scripture, what is most important? So Matthew 22, 36 to 40, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When you hear this commandment, do you see Jesus fulfilling it in the incarnation? I do. Jesus obeying the Father, pursuing his Father's glory, humbling himself. No one had more to lose. He lays it all down with all of his heart, all of it for God's glory. And to his neighbors, has Jesus loved us well? We had nothing. We had less than nothing. We had a debt that could not be paid. And not only did Jesus pay our debt personally in his body, he has given us what only he deserves. In Jesus, we are counted as righteous. And our sin no longer condemns us. And even our deaths will one day only serve to bring us into the presence of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus doesn't just give us the greatest commandment. He keeps it. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) To know that Jesus doesn't just give commands. He keeps them. He fulfills them. He perfectly fulfills the commandments. And what is his reward for doing it? It's worship. That's his reward. Let's finish our passage Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what is Jesus' reward? It's worship. Worship everywhere, forever. From every corner of the universe and reality, from every plane of existence, from every nation, tribe, and tongue on earth, from every created heavenly being, from everyone, everywhere, without ceasing. That's what Jesus is worthy of. So, 
out of love for our neighbors, because of the beauty and the worth of Jesus, we invite others to know Christ. This is our third point. Between the first advent and the second advent, we're called to invite others to know Christ and to bring them in on this worship of Christ. Jesus crossed the greatest distances and the deepest humiliations to bring the message of the gospel to us. And we know stories of Christ followers who have imitated Jesus in this way. Missionaries like Adoniram Judson, Jim Elliot, many others who have crossed oceans, endured hardship, and even death for the spread of the sake of for the sake of the spread of the gospel and for the sake of inviting others to worship Christ. How are people saved? It's an important question. Paul in Romans 10, verses 13 to 15, answers this way. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he continues, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? The good news of God, the gospel of Jesus, goes forward. It goes forward out into the world when we believe it and tell others about it. All of us here today are here because somebody loved us enough to humble themselves and be faithful to tell us how Jesus changed everything. Have you been imitating Christ in this way? Have you been faithful? Parents, have you been faithful to share your hope with your children? Have we been faithful to share this wonderful news with our neighbors? Students, have you shared the hope that you have in Jesus with your friends, with your roommates? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And we're about to head into a new year. And a few months into it, we'll be in a new building. <laughs> Praise God. We'll be in a new neighborhood. We'll be entering an entirely new season of ministry in the life of our church. And we'll be entering a year where everyone around us is absolutely desperate for hope. What an opportunity to make a change. To say that by God's grace, I'm gonna make changes this year. I'm gonna deeply consider what Jesus has done for me and live in the light of that. I'm gonna fill myself with the truth of his word. I'm gonna meditate on the scriptures. I'm gonna pray for a heart that feels again. I'm going to pray that I might have the eyes to see the needs around me and by God's grace meet some of them to count others more significant than myself. We do this when we're in Christ and it's only possible in Christ. We're about to close our time here. Um, God loved us perfectly in Jesus. And every imperfect step that we make to be more like Christ glorifies God. Every fumbled word, every botched effort, 
Every step that we take in humble imitation glorifies God. We will never be anyone's savior. But we know where salvation is found. Where hope is found. Where satisfaction and beauty and peace meet. They all meet in Jesus, God with us. Between the first and the second advent, that's where we are. And this time in between is God's grace to us and to a world in need. We have the knowledge of the gospel, a treasure in a jar of clay. And we know that Christ will return one day to rule and to reign worthy of all our praise forever. We are not even promised tomorrow. But if the Lord gives us two days, or if he gives our church uh, 200 more years, may we, for the joy set before us, trust in Christ for salvation, imitate Christ in humility, and invite others to know Christ so that together we might worship him to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, just the beauty of your word. Lord, I, I thank you that, um, Lord, your spirit in our hearts, uh, Lord, lets this even make sense to us. God, we thank you for the change that you are working in us. Lord, that it's not uh, by our grinning and bearing it, and it's not uh, through more and more uh, effort that we eventually arrive at a place of uh, perfection. Lord, only Jesus is perfect. So Lord, in this season, uh, help us to cling to Jesus. Lord, help us to see uh, every single victory that we have in Christ and help us give God the glory for it. Lord, we thank you for the way that you have perfectly loved us. God, help us to show uh, that love to the others around us and bring hope with us, the hope that you've put in our hearts in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.